Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Negativity, that's my topic. You know, we live in a world that tries to balance negative factors that happen against positive factors that happen. And we generally think that the world is better if it has good things happening. If we emphasize the good, if we emphasize the happiness, if we emphasize success, if we emphasize positivity in thinking and so on. But some recent research has uh, been compiled in a book that brings us a different perspective. Two men, Mr. Tierney and a Dr. Bumeister. Bumeister is a psychologist. Tierney is a journalist. They teamed up and wrote an article and then eventually wrote a book. The book was entitled The Power of Bad. And um, this whole thing about the power of bad. And um, they took a look at it in this book and... uh, opened up some our eyes to the idea that bad has profound effect and uh, motivates us, causes us to engage in a wide variety of behavior that otherwise we may not engage in. And essentially the message is we are to go for a low bad diet, a low bad diet. Keep the bad from occurring in our life. That doesn't necessarily say that we are to have a high good diet, but that we are to have a low bad diet. And uh, that's really the basis of life and effective living. Now, unfortunately, negative events have a very powerful activating influence on us and stimulating influence. For instance, pain of criticism is much stronger than the pleasure of praise. A single bad event can produce long-time trauma to an individual. But we don't have a term that's opposite from trauma. We don't have a term of that nature. A negative image, such as looking at a dead animal, stimulates more electrical activity in the brain than looking at a positive image, such as a bowl of chocolate ice cream or something of that nature. So, bad has some very profound effects upon our brain activity and certainly serves as a strong motivating factor for how we behave and certainly influences how we feel. So negative effects have stronger effects. Negative effects have stronger effects. And the phenomenon is easier to distinguish. So the point here is that we can easily identify, we can easily distinguish something bad when it happens. And and something bad happens stands out much more profoundly than something that good happens. In other words, we have our attention drawn to the bad, and it really motivates us to do something. But on the other hand, good things are part of life, and it's the balance, it's the ratio between good and bad. Certainly, bad events motivate us to do things and prompt us to do things, but life is much more successful, much more enjoyable. We have live a happier life if we can keep the bad events down keep them infrequent in our activities and in our life experiences and how we behave and how people, and we let people treat us. Older people are more content, generally speaking, because they have a lot of years to reflect upon some of the good things that have happened in their life and can minimize and override the bad things that happen in their life. If you had a lot of bad things happen in your life, you probably have a very unhappy life and very sad life and one that uh, is very discouraging. So it's the question of, Do you have good events happening? But you have to kind of keep in mind that the negative thinking is a powerful way of behavior, powerful way to think, powerful way to motivate us to do things that otherwise we wouldn't do. So how do we deal with 
the bad. How do we deal with that negative thinking in our life? Well, the authors come up with a number of uh, strategies and a number of points that they would like to bring you know, to our attention. And let me just walk through these just a little bit so you can get a kind of a feel for it, okay? The authors say this, first of all, do no harm. Do no harm. Do no harm to yourself. Do no harm to your family. What really matters is what we don't do. See, avoiding bad is far more important than doing good. You get relatively little credit for doing more than you promised, but you pay a big price if you fall short of what you promised. That's how we react, and that's how we think in our world. So it's the avoidance of failure, the avoidance of disappointment, the avoidance of hurt, you know, the avoidance of uh, falling short in some kind of way because there's a big price. Now, successful marriages kind of depend upon the frequency of negative interaction and how people and the marriage and the couple deal with negativity. See, in marriages that are destined for success, people overlook their spouse's flaws and they maintain what is referred to as a positive illusion. When something goes wrong, they either give their spouse the credit or the doubt, uh, benefit of the doubt or respond calmly so as to not to escalate the conflict or turn it into a major war or conflict. The marriages that are destined to fail, people assume the worst and respond angrily and become bad emotions and are so powerful and contagious that a minor difference can quickly spiral into a major so you see, bad has profound effects, very profound effects. So the idea is live a life that has, has a low bad diet. Minimize the negative because it's so powerful and influences the outcome. In the workplace, for instance, we all know that there are bad apples. And a bad apple can turn an entire office upside down. Working on a team, three or four, or five people. The bad apple is the one that determines whether that team produces positive effect or not, or works together smoothly or comfortably in, in a joint manner or not. It isn't the good of the three or four members, it's the degree of badness of the one bad person in the group or on the team. It's the bad apple that determines the outcome. So first, do no harm. Minimize the harm that you create to the people you work with, people you live with, people you're married to, people in your family, people you associate with. Minimize the bad. Make sure that in relationships there's a low bad diet because bad is so powerful and it prompts people to take action that otherwise they wouldn't take. So first, do no harm. Secondly, remember the rule of four. The authors kind of uh, bring our attention to this idea of the rule of four. That is, it takes four good things to overcome one bad thing. Now that's a general point of view or a generalization. It takes four good things to overcome one bad well, there are some people that it takes 10 good things to overcome one bad thing. But as a general rule of society and general rule of social relationships, four good things will override one bad. In other words, just because you did something bad, you came late to a meeting or you weren't prepared or you failed a test or you didn't uh, live up to your expectations or what you promised. Just doing better the next time isn't enough. It's doing better the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. In other words, it's a rule of four. You've got to do at least four positive behaviors to overcome one negative behavior that you engaged in. One failure can be eradicated, but it takes four good behaviors to eradicate that one. 
So think of it in the sense of the rule of four. If you have done something inappropriate and wrong and you're going to apologize for that, think about that. But you may have to apologize again. You may have to apologize again. You may have to apologize again. Maybe four times, maybe five times, maybe six times. I think in terms of marriage counseling and we talk about behavior patterns that have been disappointing and hurtful to one or the, or the other. And although there may be an apology, that apology is generally not accepted. That apology doesn't bring back normalcy to that relationship. But I've often emphasized to couples, you know, you're going to have to talk about this again. You're going to have to go through this apology again. You're going to have to go through this explanation again. You're going to have to discuss this point of view again. You're going to have to discuss this behavior pattern again. You're going to have to discuss this mistake that was made again and again and again and again. And there are times that maybe four is not enough. But at least remember the rule of four. It takes at least four good behaviors, positive behaviors, to overcome the bad behavior in which you engage. Now, here's the third point. Put the bad moments to good use. Put the bad moments to good use. In other words, make something good out of something bad. Child comes home with a bad grade, failed a test, didn't do an assignment, missed the point, didn't prepare. Well, that bad score or grade or comment by the teacher may just be proper to motivate the child to do better the next time. In other words, a mediocre student might become a better student if they recognize that they'll be criticized by a teacher or by their peers if they don't perform well. So we don't want to go through what is referred to as the self-esteem movement in our society today, that everybody gets an A, that everybody gets a B, that everybody gets a trophy. No, that's not the way to live. There are times when we need to let people know that they didn't measure up. They didn't do as well, and that can motivate them to do better the next time. A baseball team, a football team that does not get a trophy can be motivated to get the trophy the next time. The team that did not get accolades and did not get community support or approval or accolades of some form might be motivated to work harder the next year to earn such accolades and approval from the community. So giving everybody the the measure of success or the illusion of success is not a helpful way to teach children to improve their life. Sometimes the negative grade, the negative feedback, the critical feedback is what is needed to improve a student's behavior. Now, one can be too, become too critical. A teacher can become too critical. So what is the amount? Well, maybe a moderate degree of criticism is appropriate to give that motivational to a student to try harder and to do better and to succeed the next test, the next assignment, the next game, or whatever it might be. In other words, negative effects can teach and motivate. Penalties are usually more effective than rewards, spurring students and workers to improve. That's the point. And here's another consideration. Capitalize on the good moment and then relive them. You see, there are times when uh, there is a happiness event, and you want to savor that. You want to talk about it. You want to live it. You want to enjoy it. You want to make it part of your life. You want to make it part of your day. So let the good be savored. Let the good be relived. Let the good be reconsidered, talked about, and shared. Mark Twain uh, brings this idea to our attention. To get the full value of a joy, you must have somebody to divide it with. You know, it's the sharing of a joy experience that brings out even greater joy because you relive it as you talk about it. 
You relive it as you share it. You relive it as you remember it. You relive it as you refer to it again in the future and at different times in the future. Sharing a good experience with somebody allows that good experience to be relived many times in the future. So our happiness increases as we are able to sit back and reflect on the good things that have happened in our life. Older people tend to do that quite well. But younger people can do that as well. Good things that can happen. Don't emphasize the negative thinking. Counteract negative thinking. And certainly try to counteract negative thinking by avoiding bad behavior. Even though bad behavior can motivate us into good behavior, the ultimate goal is to avoid negative thinking and live on and savor those good experiences that we have had in our life today. And here's another point. See the big picture. See the big picture of negativism. See how it really um, affects us. Look at the world in which you live. Sure, there's a lot of negativity out there. Sure, there's a lot of negative features in the news, items in the news of any and all communities, the murder rates, the crime rates. Look at the political system that's going on today and the negativity of one party criticizing the other and making, uh, castigating statements of one towards the other. Negativity abounds in the political world. Negativity abounds in the competitive world of education and of business. We often are in a critical mode of other people. But really what the point is here is, can you see the big picture? In other words, you may have to turn the television off. You may have to avoid some people. You may have to stop exposing yourself to the negative news so that you have time and you have opportunity to view the other side of the story. The positive news that's out there, the positive experiences that are going on, positive events that are going on in a community. You know, bring up the positive stories in your life and minimize the bad stories in your life. Go on a low, bad diet. Stop watching negative news. Minimize your use. Minimize your exposure to negative news. So you want to see the big picture. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of positivism going on around you. Expose yourself to it. See it. Understand it. And make sure that you become part of the positiveness of your home, of your family, of your workforce, of your church, of your club, of your group, and of your friendships, and so on. Bring a positivism to the church. Bring a positivism to your friendships and to your associations. And you do that by going on a low-bad diet. Focus on the low-bad diet and let the good emerge. So with that, let me uh, bring to your attention then again the podcast today. Thank you for joining me and thank you for making this a part of your time. Let me just bring you to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Or a, a website there with my books in it. And uh, Dr. Teach Me to Parent is a good book. Uh, be a good one for you to pick up. And if you're a parent, to learn how to parent and learn how to parent effectively. So thanks for joining me and bye for now.